praise you. We come to praise you in our singing, Lord. We come to praise you in the proclaiming of our word, of your word, Lord. We come to give you the honor and the glory. We come here today to be in your presence, to sit with you and to worship you and give you all the honor and glory Open our ears of our hearts, Lord, to hear the words you have for us. And Lord, we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, I was in the military, I had, I had a little bit of money, I 
gonna be great, and I was doing good. I had guns, I used to love guns, I used to go out competition pistol shoot with guns. I had old antique cars, drag cars, I drag race cars, motorcycles. Uh, motorcycles, I had that, I had ham radio, I had RC airplane. I had a lot of things that I did. And the more and more the chaplains and the preachers would talk about following Christ, I was worried that I was going to have to give those things up. You know, if I'm going to follow Christ, can I still have a gun? If I'm going to follow Christ, can I still have a motorcycle? Obviously, you know that question. Uh, Can I still be doing these things and follow Christ? And and actually, it was through the guns that uh, one of the other chaplains was also in the competition shoot one time. And what he did, he started a team, a pistol shooting team, and we'd go shoot pistols, but before we shot, we would have a devotion and we'd have prayer time. And of course, that was always easy, you know, you're hitting the target, you're right, if you're out of the target, you're in sin, you know. And, and so we were there, and so I was in a lot of sin when we come to pistol shooting. That's just a whole other subject. But, uh, but so we go along there, but I come to realize that God's not, He'll ask you to give up some things for Him there, but you can have your hobbies and turn them into godly things. Ham radio, for example, I'm going to go script right here. Uh, ham radio, uh, actually, it drags with me everywhere I go. We actually own a ham radio club, WG4UN, working Georgia for United Methodist. Uh, well, what else, at New Harvest Church, we actually use the ham radio club to, for the kids. The little kids could come, or not the little kids, the kids could come and tune up the radio, and they communicate with people around the world. It was actually a ministry. I have learned motorcycles. I belong to the CMA, the Christian Motorcycle Association, and the UMMA, the United Motorcycle Association. I have used my motorcycle for ministry. God will use what you have for ministry if you will let him. Uh, and so that's how that works. So let's get, get to this right here real quick. Uh, Luke uh, chapter 14, come on right there, yep, verse 25. It says, Now the great multitudes went with him, And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? At least after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began, began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down and first consider whether he is able with 10,000 uh, 10, to meet him and to come against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he'll send a delegation and ask for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot come, cannot be my disciple. Verse 30, uh, there we go, we're going to stop right there. This is the word of God for the people of God. Man, this is harsh teaching real quick. And, and if you, this is one of those scriptures, one of the few scriptures in the Bible you cannot take literally at face value. But Jesus is saying it, because when he says, if you do not hate your mother and father, that goes right against Deuteronomic law. That goes right against that law, and Jesus would not have done that. But the point Jesus is making, that Jesus needs to be number one in your life. 
that above your mother and father, above your wife, above your children, above everything else you do, your job, everything else. And this is the question. Let me just cut the sermon short real quick. Is, is Christ number one in your life? It's a question that you really need to answer. You can look good. And you can sound good. And you can be so far from Christ that he doesn't know your name. You can look good, you can sound good, but you've got to go along. That we, are you in Christ's hand? Is Christ number one in your life? Whether you're, you know, with the praise band singing, whether we're preaching or, or, or riding a motorcycle or, or shooting guns or whatever else, is Christ first in your life? Have you given it all up and given it to Christ? And you give it all up and give it to Christ, and Christ is number one. You got to sit there and go along there. Uh, Jesus needs to be first. Jesus needs to be first in your life. I'm reading a good book. Uh, I think the name of it off the top of my head uh, is The Pilgrim's Progress. And it's an older book, but it's about the, the stories about a guy being saved and headed on glory. And, and, and all the distractions that come up in his life. And it really fits about the church today. And, and so we've got to realize that we need to pick up our cross and follow Jesus every day. What is Jesus asking us to do today? What is he asking us to do today? What is he asking us to do tomorrow? What is he asking us to do? So many people live their life as just go by day, by day, by day. Let me tell you what goes wrong with the church. Uh, real quick, and I, I think we're maybe starting to experience. You know, the new preacher was here, his wife was here, and the disciples were more people. Now it doesn't seem as many people. That's just the same old thing. Church is the same old thing. A praise man is going to get up and sing. Uh, maybe if we got enough children, uh, his wife will get up and do a, the preacher's wife will get up and do a children's story. Then he's going to proclaim a message. He's going to tell us to repent and accept Jesus. And all. It's the same thing every Sunday. I mean, roughly it is. And if that's your attitude, you will get nothing out of it. Did you come to be entertained by the praise band? Did you figure out what the crazy preacher will say today? Or did you come to be in the presence of God and to hear his voice through the proclaiming of music, through music, through the proclaiming of the word, and the reading of scripture? It's a difference in attitude. A difference in attitude. Why did you come today? Did you come to be in the presence of God? That's why I'm here. Uh, trust me, it's why I'm here. We've got to pick up our cross. Matthew 10, 38 says, pick up your cross. And let me tell you that I've preached this. I've preached this. Rich Warren, the purpose-driven uh, church book, number one thing, he says, it's not about you. Charles Stanley, last Sunday night, I was at home uh, 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 polishing the bait down, and your wife went out, and the motorcycle had in, and the dogs out with me. We listened to Charles Stanley on the radio. And I remember what the whole sermon of God, I remember this one part of the Charles Stanley sermon. I love Charles Stanley, by the way. Uh, the first part of the sermon is, when you accept Christ, you have no longer have the right to have a claim on your own life. As soon as you accepted Christ, and you called Christ my Lord, you no longer have the claim in your life. Your life now belongs to him. And wherever he sends you, whatever he tells you, whether he tells you to sit quiet, whether he tells you to work, whether he tells you to go out and visit somebody, whatever he tells you to do, that is who you are. That is what you're doing. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul. Paul starts a lot of his letters off. The bondservant of Jesus Christ. The bondservant of Christ. And we see that a lot of the epistles. 
take what that means, it means I have been purchased. It really means, in, in, in the, just the, the raw term of slavery, I am no longer mine, I belong to somebody else. And in, in that time frame, when you talk about the time frame of Paul, from the Apostle Paul, you could, if you were deep in debt, you could sell yourself even into slavery, and that person would take care of your debt, and you'd have to work for them for so long. And so what that really a bond servant means, I have been purchased for a price. And the scripture tells us that you were purchased for the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are no longer yours. You are no longer yours. You are to be a servant of God. No matter what you do, if you're a husband, you are to serve your wife as if you were serving Christ. If you're a wife, you are to serve your husband as if you're serving Christ. Your children, the children should be part of that servanthood, be taught that servanthood. Why do we have so much domestic violence and all the, the things today? Because we have forgot that we are to serve one another as if we were serving Christ. How much difference would our church be? I'm not saying our neighborhoods, our schools, our communities, our church, if we serve each other, if we talk to each other as if we were talking to Christ. And we should be. Are you not made in the image of God? Paul says when you, when, you, uh, when you give your life to Christ, you are what? A new creation. You become this new creation. The old man has died, and the new man rises, and that new man should look, eventually look like Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're going to struggle with that a little bit, because it's still sin, it's still things in the world. And, and so let me bring up the biggest lie. There's, i got three biggest lies. That the Satan's constant. Last week I hammered on one of them, but I'll hammer on again. The biggest lie is one, hell is not real. So many people don't think hell's not real, or they don't think it's hot. And I've had her person, you've got to hang out like a biker crowd or a crowd that's not really saved. People that just really don't know the Lord. And they'll say so often well, when we go to hell. Well, no, I mean, if you really understood what that meant, if you really understood. What that was like, you would run from that. That fight, so that's your Baptist theory there. You know, I don't mean to pick on the Baptist church, but at least scare the hell out of you. And you should get saved. Uh, we're trying to love you into a relationship with Jesus. But, the, but Satan is lying. You know, the, the, there's no demons and all that stuff. There's none of that stuff. Uh, the other lie that's been told to us, it depends on the form, whether you're an Episcopal, Catholic, or how, how it is, everyone is going to heaven. Everyone's going to heaven. You know, you got your Catholics, but I'm not talking to Catholics or anybody else. Look at this purgatory. You've got to pay for your sins, and then you get to go to heaven. Uh, but that's not what Scripture says. Only those who are in the will of God go to heaven. Only those who are the rest of the eternal uh, fire and damnation. And that's just what the Word of God says. And the next thing, this is the biggest lie to me, and the biggest one of all of it is, is the cross is all you need. Oh man, you're coming to the cross. And I love the song, The Old Rugged Cross. But, it is theologically correct. One thing about hymns, they're always written on a theological level. But, but, so I will always cling to the old rugged cross. The cross is a doorway to a new life. The cross is not the stopping point. And that's what happens in church so many times. 
Man, you come, you come to your realization of sin, you come to realization you need the Lord and Savior. I accepted Jesus Christ, and you earnestly did in your heart. You earnestly accept your faith, you come to the cross, you come to the kneel to, I always consider the communion rail, the foot of the cross. You come and you give your sins, you're baptized, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you're like, whew, I got my fireproof ticket, so I don't ever have to go to hell. When I die, I just pull out this little insurance card and I can go to heaven. The cross is the beginning of a new life. Much like joining the military. And those military, I would say probably the police force and some of those have been doing things like that. It's kind of the same thing. One day you were a civilian, you know, fighting in my experience with it. And the next day you raised your little right hand and you swore in this oath and you went. You will never be the same after because you'll always be a veteran. You'll always be something else. Uh, you go along. And your life in the military, you know, GI, we're called GI. Does anybody know what GI stands for, by the way? Anybody? General issue. That's it. That is what a GI is, general issue. There, you know, we got another, we got another thousand of you in basic training to replace you. General issue. That, that's really all it stands for. Your life no longer belongs to yourself. When you're in the military, they tell you, they don't tell you how to vote, but you cannot speak out against candidates. You you gotta watch what you put on Facebook. No, we didn't have social media. I was there. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we didn't, we, you know, but, they, but you, can't, you can't protest, you can't go to rallies, you can't protest against the president, you can't do all these things. You actually lose some of your freedoms protecting other people's freedoms. Because you are now a belong to the U.S. government, you got a number, you belong to the U.S. government, and they tell you when to get up, they'll tell you when to go to bed, they'll tell you when to get what to dress. They used to give you a picture of what you need to wear the next day. If you did not know what to do, they'd say, be in class A blues. You have you can go look up a picture and see exactly how you're supposed to look. And, I mean, I love the military. Okay? I have to ask Tammy. You can tell when Tammy's not here for the weekend and like how I'm dressed. Because I have this one, does this match? I got the alligators and the, but that's a whole other story. Uh, all my clothes here to match them all together. But, but you know, when you're in the military, you belong to the government. When we're in Christ, we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ. In fact, let's talk marriage real quick. Real quick, First Corinthians. I love this First Corinthians. It says the husband no longer has responsibility over his body, that the wife now controls it, and the wife no longer has it over her body, the husband now controls it. You know what? When we give up marriage is the example of how we're supposed to live with Christ. Said, that we give ourselves to one another. And now we are one, two become one. When we gave ourselves to God, we become the children of God. And we are to do as God has said. The cross is not where it stops. The cross is a new life. The cross is a new life. Everything you have done, you know, so the cross is a new life. So life starts over at zero. You're born again, they say. Born again. So life starts over at zero at the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 tells us, I think it's the right one. Everything you do will be put to the test on Judgment Day. There's coming a day when you will stand before the throne and answer for your life as a Christian. You have a Christian going along there, and everything you do will be good there. Will be good. Paul tells them to get put in the fire. And when the chaff and all the useful stuff that's burned out what comes out is what your reward will be in heaven. And so we go on. Paul tells us also to run a race, to run a race to receive the crown of life. Meaning, and the whole scripture there, meaning there is work to be done. 
There's work to be done in the church. Uh, and and the, the biggest lie that Satan tells us is, man, you, you know, you're going along, you sit there, and you go, when you die, okay, you go to heaven. I'll lose you. That's not the case, people. That's not the case. That is the biggest lie that we ever had. Being a membership of a church, and uh, we're going to go along next service, we actually have somebody joining the church, and we'll talk a little more about that then. But let me just bring this up real quick. In October, we're going to do a church uh, sermon series, being a member of a church. When you become the member of this church, if you're a member of this church or a member of any other church, when you become a member of this church, we have in our liturgy, you make a covenant. It's a covenant relationship. God deals in covenant relationships. Your marriage is a covenant relationship. Uh, in your marriage, if it's going right, there is the husband, wife, and God. It's a triangle. In the church, it's much like marriage. There is a covenant relationship. It's you, the congregation, and God. And if you're not working in the church, who are you sending here? Some people say, it doesn't matter what I do. Yes, it does. Doing nothing hurts the church. Doing nothing hurts the church. And, and so we've got to get involved. That's why I said we have some neat new programs coming up. Prayer teams. You know, prayer teams. We're going to sit there. We have intercessory prayer teams. I've been involved in churches with intercessory prayer teams. We have seen people's healed. We've seen people's marriages. We've seen the finances fail. Intercessory prayer teams. The power of prayer. I am a big believer in the power of prayer. Uh, more than likely, you are here today because somebody prayed for you before you were saved. Uh, so I'm a big, a big opponent of outreach. I need people for about outreach that can get on the computer and make big graphic cards. We're, we're going to mail push cards and things like that. Doing things. You might say, well, I'm not going to go out and talk to people, knock on doors. We're not asking you to do that. We need people that will help us come down with some, come up with programs to help like with uh, live streaming and all those other technology things. And one of us is not really that smart, huh? Uh, I won't mention my name, but that's, that's the case. You know, we just need help. We need people to work together to reach the lost. To reach the lost. In uh, Revelation chapter 2, I'm trying to keep track of time, in Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus. Uh, in, in Revelation, next week is a sermon on Revelation, by the way, chapter 22. Uh, but so here we go along. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus. What did Jesus say he had against them? Anybody? Anybody remember this real quick? Do you know why you study the book of Revelation? Let me just bring this up. This is just a side note, chasing a rabbit real quick. So we get the gun out until we shoot. Uh, it's the only book that promises to be blessed if you study it. Right at the beginning it says you'll be blessed if you study these words. It's the only book that comes with a blessing. Uh, and so Revelation is why we study Revelation. It's a blessing. It's, it's a lot of good things. It says that what I have is against you. You have lost your first love. We always look at that as they walked away from God. They didn't. Because you read the rest of it, they're doing godly things. God says you must love God with all your heart, soul, mind. And you must love your neighbor the same way. The really the first loss is because all the humanity is in the image of God. God doesn't want anybody to die. Second Peter tells us he doesn't want anybody to die without knowing the love of God. Their problem is, is they, they, were, they were a church that was isolated. They isolated themselves from everybody else. And they lost their first love of reaching God's people that were lost. So let's not be the church of Ephesus. Let us have a heart 
for those who do not know Jesus Christ. Those who have that heart for those who don't know those. Uh, sometimes I find it hard to pray for people because they're so ugly, uh, personality-wise ugly, and somebody's reminding me, hey, you need to pray for that person. And so we need to be praying for the lost. Don't we go all the way there? Uh, we we, we got to do that there. And so, so what do we do? What do we do? How do we do it? Number one, this is an important question. You're going to hear me hammer this over and over and over. I was by one of my first churches, the first sermon uh, I was going to Shingler United Methodist Church, and I was going to preach like five or six times. The church, had, the roof had caved in one time, and this guy, Mr. Shingler, had rebuilt the, the church, paid about $80,000 to rebuild this church. I preached along one Sunday, and everybody loved this man. He says, you know, I have been a member of this church my whole life. My grandfather built the original church. He says, I have done all this stuff, but I don't know Jesus in my heart. And he accepted Christ. I didn't know what to do. What do you do with the guy that's done everything? You probably finance the church and set it right. You know, I mean, I was just kind of thrown away. Number one, you may think you accepted Christ, but that's a question between you and Jesus. You'll hear me hammer on this over and over again. Uh, is Jesus in your heart? We will know that by the fruit of your life. Number two, yeah, Jesus is my heart, and I realize I'm not doing all that I can do for Jesus. That's great. Uh, that's the second thing. The myth that we're, we're in trouble there. Repent. The word of God says, if you earnestly repent and change your heart, I will earnestly forgive you of your sins. Man, what a great news there. What a great news. You do not have to go to hell because God will save you. Uh, number three, attitude. Uh, this is my big thing. You'll hear me talk about this all the time. Attitude. I can work with a lot of problems if people have a positive attitude. Uh, I, I'm good with that. We've got a positive attitude to go along there. And, and so under attitude, I have get busy and get involved. There is a job and a purpose for everyone here at Lake Park and Church. In fact, today's job for you is somebody that's missing. Uh, text them or call them contact them and say, hey, we miss you in church. By the way, Jeff Wooler is in a golf tournament today because he came and seen me yesterday to remind me he wouldn't be there. Right about now would be a good time to start texting him to put four. Just put four. It's in the four, number four tool uh, or something. Uh, in about the next hour, if you would do that, that would just help him out in his golf game. <laughs> so, uh, but that's good. I mean, he kind of told me, which you don't have to come and tell me if you're going to miss church. And I'm not the guy who's going to miss church. Jeff does a great job for us. Uh, but there's a purpose for everyone. And let me tell you, everybody's ever been, has anybody been on a mission team? Or whether it's in-states or out-of-states, been on a mission team? Who was blessed more by your mission team, you or the person? I'm telling you what, when you get involved in people's lives, your life matters. We went to the same last night, the, the Eunice uh, uh, fundraising dinner, the TCT7. And then uh, the swim today is going to be named after this pararescue guy, Mark Webber. Did I get that right? Mark Webber. Okay. Let me bring this one point up. He's a pararescue guy. In fact, I've got to get the whole thing because we're going to change it kind of a motto of the church. The pararescue, the 38 of the Moody people here, the pararescue motto is we do what we do so others may live. That's their thing is we do what we do so others may live. And the whole story, this guy that lost his life last year, March 15th of 2018, saving the lives of others. And I'm thinking, so I'm sitting there, I talked to the dad, I got to talk to the dad again today, this guy is Mark's dad. And I thought, to, this is the church. We do what we do to save lives. 
Not so much the physical life right here, but for eternal life. There is a life after this. There's a life either with the Lord in heaven or there's a life in hell, total damnation, separated from everybody. There is a life after this. We do what we do to save lives. Everything you do today matters for eternity. Are you with Jesus or are you not? As we sing our last song, I ask you to question yourself earnestly. Ask God. The Holy Spirit will yell at you if you're wrong. Trust me, I know this for example. Lord, are you really the Lord of my life? If not, let me repent. What will you have me do? That's like parking out of this church, in my family, at my work, at my school, wherever you lead me, what will you have me do to glorify your name? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, as we sing this last song, let your spirit enter our hearts. And Lord, let us repent and let us be on fire for you. Amen. Please stand and join us in our closing song.
let me ask this question to you. Will you walk out of here the same that you walked in? Were you changed by the presence of God in the sanctuary today? Are you satisfied with your life? It says, come now and drink and be satisfied. If you're not satisfied with your life, God has a life that will satisfy you. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, we praise you. Because today, forgiveness, grace, mercy is still free. You still love us and you're still wanting to touch each of our hearts. You want us to change so we can change somebody else and change somebody else. That the, the ripple effect will continue on. And Lord God, don't let us leave this house to your house, Lord, unless we have been changed by your word. We have been changed by the praise and worship. We have been changed into the likeness of your image. And Lord, as we go forth, the devil's out to roar like a lion. Protect us, walk before us, walk behind us. Let your, let your Holy Spirit seal us until we come back together again to give you praise, honor, and glory for all you have done to us. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with great excitement. The whole church said, Amen. There's more excitement over here, I can tell you. <laughs>